Hey, race fans, Hall of Famer Daryl Walter here. You know it's time to drop the green flag on another edition of Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator, powered by Pacematic. So, hey, pull those belts tight one more time. Here's my buddy Hermie Sadler and Senator Bill Stanley. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Let's see what they have to say, boys and girls. Hello, everybody. I'm Senator Bill Stanley, and I'm leaning right. And I'm Hermie Sadler, and I'm turning left with Sadler and a senator powered by Pacematic. What's going on? Man, living the dream. We are cooking through the first part of the General Assembly session. I just got back from presenting a bill in finance, which usually when one of my bills goes to finance, it gets killed in finance. I don't know why. They're all my friends. But uh, today was pretty good. But we, we are just hopping. Today is a busy day in the General Assembly. You know, we only got 60 days to do the Lord's work here for the people of Virginia. And so here I am sitting high atop the Stanley Law Group building in the Stanley Law Group conference room right here in beautiful downtown Richmond, the capital of the Commonwealth. And i like to remind everybody that the naming rights to this Taj Mahal of podcast studios is still up for grabs. It is up for grabs. And, to the uh, highest bidder. And the price is going up because we're getting so much interest. We but, are? Uh, yeah, people, yo, <laughs> golly, my phone rings off the hook. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm not the only one you don't call back. Uh, no, I'm too busy taking calls, oh. you know, trying to get the naming rights uh, secured here for the Stanley Law Group Conference Room Studios. So if you read the newspaper or watch the TV, they all characterize this General general Assembly session as chippy. Chippy is exactly would you, the uh, Would you subscribe to that theory? I would. And why? I would. And I think, well, I think a couple things have happened. One, uh, I think there was an expectation on the part of the Democrats because for the last four years they've had the House, well, for the last two years they've had the House and the Senate. For the last four years they've had the governor's mansion, the lieutenant governor, and the attorney general. So in November's elections, which were sweeping change, we changed leadership in the House. The Republicans took the majority by two-seat two uh, advantage. The Senate stays the same because we run every four years, so it's 21-19 in favor of the Democrats. But we now have the governor, lieutenant governor, and attorney general, and they're all Republicans. And it's important for the lieutenant governor's position because Winsome Sears, who we're going to hopefully have on one of our future podcasts in the near future. She loves me. She does love you. And um, she breaks any tie. So if one Democrat crosses over, uh, then she could break the tie and we could get a very conservative piece or a common sense piece out of the Senate that would go on to the governor for signature. I think what you're seeing right now is the self-prescribed, self-described uh, brick wall caucus, which is in the Senate. They are determined to defeat anything that sounds, looks or smells like a conservative or common piece of legislation. They don't want to undo the agenda that they were able to accomplish in those two years because, as I've described it, uh, those past two years were like a political jewelry store smash and grab. They had all the offices, so they put through a very liberal agenda. They were able to accomplish that, and they don't want to go backwards on what they've been able to accomplish. What we really were able to do, because the Senate is still in Democrat control, is stop the bleeding, kind of like putting a stick in the spoke of a wheel, uh, stop more of those uh, what we would call bad bills or uh, liberal agenda bills from going forward. Um, but we're not really right now able to accomplish much in terms of rolling some of that back. They're standing firm on keeping that, which they got into the books, into the statutes, and not being reasonable on maybe some of those things were going a little too far. So you see a lot of that chippiness in the Senate. I think usually the when we all get back, because we all like each other, there's 40 of us, we like each other. Um, we, we text with each other, we call each other. Um, but 
this year when we got back, usually, you know, the first week or two, it's very collegial, very friendly. Uh, it started chippy right out of the box, and it hasn't stopped. So they were probably uh, disappointed in, I guess, the way some of the elections may have turned out, knowing that they didn't have a a stamp of approval uh, in the other chamber in the House. That probably led to some of the not-so-friendliness. Yeah, and I think what they know is that any of the bills that they could get out from the Senate are going to be killed by the House. Mm -hmm. Any of the bills that get out of the House, they're going to try to kill in the Senate when we have crossover, which comes in a couple weeks. So a question I get a lot that maybe you could answer. So now we're back to a situation where we've got a House that's controlled by the Republicans, mm-hmm. Senate controlled by the Democrats. What kind of authority does the governor actually have when bills reach him or when the budget reaches him? What actually can he do? Well, you start with three principles. The first thing is, is much like the executive branch in the federal government, he can rule by executive order. We saw a lot of those executive orders with Governor Northam through the pandemic. There's some something like 50, 60 of those that went through... Uh, uh, not the legislative process. We, were, we He was able to call um, an emergency, a state of emergency in Virginia, which then allowed him to rule by fiat. Uh, we thought that was unfair. We thought the legislature should be involved. So that's one way that the governor can have it. At this point in time, the governor has the ability to uh, sign bills into law. He has the ability to veto those bills. He can amend those bills, send them back for our consideration. We either accept or reject, and he can sign or veto them based on whether we accepted the amendments or rejected them. And then basically, uh, that's all he can do. Um, the, the third thing that he can probably try to do is try to persuade some people, because ultimately what we have to do in Virginia, unlike the federal government, is we have to balance our budget. We have to present a two-year biennium, what we call a biennium budget. So he has a lot of input in that. The outgoing governor, weird enough, presents the budget. He, the new incoming governor proposes amendments. They go through two committees in the House and the Senate. They're all fixed and reworked. We as legislators offer budget amendments to try to get in some money, like I offered a budget amendment to try to fund the NASCAR Stock Car Heritage Trail in Virginia so we can help some of these short tracks and bring racing back to the grassroots level and really encourage uh, small businesses in our rural areas. We'll, I'll, I wonder if that will stay in or not. So he gets a lot of the authority in that he can tweak the budget right now but when we pass that balanced budget and we send it on to him, he can make amendments, accept or reject. And what he does have in as a power that our president of the United States does not is a line item veto. So he, can, he, he could reject the whole budget out of whole cloth, but rather he has a red pen that he can line through things. So he can, he can reject certain provisions of what is a very big budget, usually three or four inches thick budget. And so that gives him a lot more authority and a lot more leverage in negotiating that final plan, which includes then getting across the line certain legislative priorities that he may have. Without putting a political spin on it, which I know is difficult, and this is probably an unfair question to you, but all that being said, what for people that don't know or have yet to meet, or because we Governor Youngkin has only been in office a short period of time, what should the people listening to this podcast and the people of the Commonwealth of Virginia, what what kind of person, what what should they expect from this governor? Well, Hermie, that's a great question because I think what he has demonstrated is that he's true to his word. Every campaign promise that he made uh, and he had a day one agenda, he has been acting upon here in Richmond. And he's doing it without a net, without a lot of experience, uh, with with some natural allies. And, and certainly we've seen the Democrats standing up railing against him and the Attorney General Jason Miares for 
what I would think silly and sometimes ridiculous things for them exerting the same power and authority that, by God, their governors, when they were Democrats for the last eight years, exerted. I think what you can see is as he learns and he's learning on the job, he's still staying true to those statements that he made to those people that came out to those rallies and those people that voted for him because he said, I'm going to do it this way and he's doing it this way. Whether he succeeds, there's always that big bump in front of him and that's the General Assembly. And we'll get to this at some point. We've talked about it a couple of times. Next time you talk to the governor or talk to the people on the budget committees in the House and the Senate, I've got a pretty good idea of where we can come up with 130 to $140 million of revenue. Is that right? To put in the budget. For, that's not easy to find. I mean, you're talking new revenue. I'm talking new revenue. And it's not marijuana. It's not marijuana. Really? And we've proven that we can do it. We collected it during a one-year tax and regulation period under the ABC. And we helped small businesses at the same time. Really? We helped pay people's salaries. We helped give them raises during a pandemic. We helped them uh, provide more infrastructure to their businesses. We did all those things and, and helped the hundreds and hundreds of small business owners and operators across the Commonwealth and generated 130 to $140 million in new revenue. And that the whole plan is just sitting there. Hermie, have we ever talked about this before? I'm not sure we have. I mean, if you had to sum it up in two words, what two words would you use? Because I'm sure we'll talk about this a lot more in the future. Skill games. What? Skill games? Skill games. Skill games. Hmm. Hundreds of millions of dollars. Think about this. Modernizing Senator? schools. Senator? Saving our economy. Think about this. Tax rebates for our citizens. Freedom, liberty, bald eagles. Do we need Skill to, games. Do we need to help our schools? Yes, we do. I mean... Governor has talked about trying to eliminate a grocery tax. Yes, we are. We could slide right in there. That's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I, I wonder it why should I be. It should be, and it, apparently it's not for some reason. It should be a win-win-win for everybody involved. Sounds too easy. And as things go in the General Assembly and in politics as well, when it's too easy and when it makes too much sense, it doesn't have a chance. But this one sounds like a winner to me. And I think we'll uh, talk more about that. We will. We got a special guest today. We do. And you've been telling me ever since I've known you what a great attorney you are. I am. And how humble you are. I am. And all of that. Yes. And one of the people that you've attributed all of your success. Gil Davis. I'm trying to set the stage for just an overwhelming introduction of our guest. Lay it on me, Big Daddy. you're not helping. I'm sorry. I'm in the way. I'm going to let you introduce him. But I'm saying you've been telling me that all the things that you've accomplished and why everybody loves you and your (laughs) law practice is in high demand and why we're sitting here in the Taj Mahal of the Stanley Law Group in downtown Richmond, even though we don't have a sponsor for the naming rights of the studio yet. I'm working on it. That's coming. You said, have always told me one of the people that mentored you early in your career was our guest today. So now the good news is I get to ask the source to verify some of this junk you've been telling me. Uh, this isn't the one you need to ask those questions to, this guy right here. Let me, in, uh, and thank you for letting me have the introduction. Um, <clears throat> when I was a young attorney, and we've, we talked a little bit about this on the first podcast, 
started working for a guy named Gil Davis. In fact, I walked into his office one day and I said, look, I'm going to law school. You know, my father passed away. Um, I want to learn how to be a trial lawyer. That's what I want to be. Will you teach me? And he, he wasn't paying much attention to me. I, I just walked into his office and a little lady named Betty let me through and she probably regretted it afterwards. But I'm like, I, I, I'll write, I'll do this, I'll do that. And he was working on a piece of paper. And I, and I said, and, uh, and I'll work for you for free. And his head shot up like a, you know, like some kind of noise behind him. And he went, oh, you work for free? And I said, yes, Mr. Davis, Gil Davis, I'll work for free. And he said, uh, I'm going on a two-week trip. You're going to be my driver, and I'll teach you about the law. And I was like, okay, great. And I went back home. And I told my mom, I said, I got this job at this law firm with this guy named Gil Davis. She goes, do you know him? I said, no. We're going on a two-week trip. She goes, how do you know what, what will happen if you don't come back? And I said, what do you mean? He said, you know, what if he's a masher, a murderer? What? I said, oh, I guess I'll see you in two weeks or I won't see you in two weeks. And that started an odyssey for me to not only learn about the law from a great trial lawyer, but also to come into contact with great people. And one of those great people is sitting across me right now here in the beautiful Stanley Law Group building, high atop Richmond, Virginia, uh, a friend of mine for so many years who was a part of one of the greatest cases ever in the history of the United States jurisprudence, Joseph P. Camerata. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bill. And uh, let me just say this. Joe graduated undergrad from Georgetown, still didn't become a liberal, went to St. John's Law School, resisted becoming a liberal, uh, and started a law practice with the United, he started his law practice with the United States Attorney's Office in Washington, D.C. The Department of Justice, yeah. The Department of Justice. And through his time, and the, I'm going to read this just the way he wrote it. In that time, since that moment forward, he has been awarded the Outstanding Attorney Award by the U.S. Department of Justice in 1989, when he was just a baby. Super lawyer of the Washington, D.C. area since 2007. Top 100 super lawyers in Washington, D.C. from 2012 to 2017 must have fallen off after 2017. I'm he, still on that list. Oh, really? Well, you <laughs> yeah. got to update your website. You, you know. uh, who's who in American law? Who's who in America? Who's who in the world? Joe Camerata. I mean, wow. See, now, I tell you what a great lawyer I am. Obviously, I don't have this on my resume. I don't have this on my website. I'm sure we'll get to the point in this conversation where Joe is going to admit to our entire listening audience how you helped elevate him to where he's at. And that also, if he doesn't, we'll we'll dub it back in, and I'll do the best impression I can of him. You know, Bill Stanley was great. Um, <laughs> so, Joe, you know, you're here today in the capital of Richmond, uh, not just to do this podcast. You're here for a purpose. Do you want to tell our listeners exactly why you're here and and why it's so important? Uh, sure. Well, I I, I really uh, appreciate the opportunity to be here. I've heard uh, so much about this podcast and uh, have been chomping. <laughs> all good, at, right? Chomp, all good. All good. Chomping at the bit to try to get uh, get in. And uh, and uh, Bill said, "All right, today's the day." Uh, and what what's important about this day is not not uh, certainly the podcast, but but also what uh, what we're going to be presenting to the Senate today. Uh, it's a bill that. Um, Bill Stanley has uh, sponsored. Uh, it's a bill to uh, modify the malpractice cap. Why don't you tell us what and a malpractice yeah. cap is? In in Virginia, if someone is uh, harmed through the negligence of a healthcare provider uh, and, and uh, suffers uh, damages, and they seek uh, a, a judgment in court against that doctor, well, the uh, judgment, the amount that they can recover, is limited. There's a cap. There's a ceiling on the amount of uh, recovery that uh, a person who's harmed through no fault of their own can recover. 
that cap presently is about $2.4 million, and it uh, changes $50,000 a year, uh, depending on when the harm occurred. Um, and we, what brought me here was uh, I had a case, a friend of mine, uh, Nancy, who reached out to her husband, reached out to me, and uh, she had um, undergone routine back surgery. She had a history of chronic back pain. And so she reached out to uh, a neurosurgeon who, who said, yeah, let's, listen, uh, let, me, uh, let me do an operation on your lower back. Uh, I think that uh, uh, what we're going to find that uh, you may have some residual uh, back pain intermittently, but uh, you, you stand a 70% chance of uh, you know, full recovery. Um, well, what happened is that is the, uh, the day of the operation, uh, Nancy's uh, placed uh, flat face down on the uh, operating table. Uh, the doctor is going to approach the lower back by going in the back. Uh, and the purpose in doing that is so he can avoid uh, nicking or uh, interfering or destroying the, the structures, the anatomy in the front, in the uh, in the chest area, in the stomach area. Well, unfortunately, during the operation, the doctor uh, is uh, cleaning out the disc space uh, and his instrument goes too far. It goes through the disc, it goes through the muscle of the ligament, and then it cuts the common iliac artery, the artery that feeds blood to the brain. Uh, well, during the operation, Nancy is without oxygen for 23 minutes. They bring her back, but they bring her back uh, it, it to a life of 24-hour dependence, mm. Uh, care that uh, it will cost over $9.3 million over her lifetime. And um, unfortunately, uh, there was a lawsuit that we brought. Uh, the, the jury rendered a verdict of some $34 million. Uh, and uh, the, the cap at the time was $2.2 million. And so uh, Nancy was not able to realize uh, what the jury had awarded her. So what, what I undertook to do was to uh, correct that injustice uh, people that are catastrophically injured through no fault of their own, that have uh, 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 suffered negligence at the hands of a doctor, uh, need full and complete justice. And so I reached out to, to Senator Stanley, to Bill, uh, and uh, he said, absolutely, this is an injustice. I'll, I'll uh, put forth a bill to modify the cap. And so that's why we're here. It's a long-winded explanation. I apologize. But uh, we're here to, to right a wrong to make sure that we're we're all equal uh, before the bar of justice, and that uh, and that uh, people who suffer harm, catastrophic harm, uh, at the hands of healthcare providers, uh, can get complete justice. Uh, but there is a there is a a monumental push against this by the medical lobby, the insurance industry, uh, who would have you believe that if you make this change uh, to protect people. Uh, in such circumstances where there's catastrophic injury, that the sky is going to cave in, that the world as we know it will come to an end, uh, that premiums will rise, uh, and that the uh, doctors will be uh, uh, selling hot dogs as opposed to working on people. Uh, and, and that's just not true. Uh, when we, when we uh, open the doors, let the fresh air come in, and uh, cast away the smoke and mirrors, uh, and you get to the facts. The facts are that uh, we will be just okay in Virginia uh, if we modify this cap and uh, and let the citizens of Virginia do what's right. What, what exactly, in layman's terms, as much as possible? What exactly is this bill? In this bill, are you asking 
to be changed or what what are we trying to accomplish? In in the in this bill, what we're what we're asking for is if a person suffers uh, uh, medical malpractice and suffers a permanent uh, impairment of bodily function or a permanent brain injury, then there is no cap on the amount that a jury can award. There is no limit. Whatever the evidence provides uh, will be awarded and then uh, hopefully paid by the insurance company. Because remember this, Hermie, the public policy reasoning behind this bill is because many times the care itself is in excess of the cap. And right. so there's not even enough money to care for Nancy. Mm -hmm. So who pays for the care of Nancy? Mm -hmm. Well, you know who pays? It's the taxpayer because they're forced to go on Medicaid and Medicare many times that this happens. And we end up paying it, not the insurance companies. And the funny thing, the horrible thing, not funny, about Joe's case is clearly liability was there. It wasn't a question of liability. They, the insurance company didn't even fight it. No, no, they did, they did fight it. Uh, but the literature was such that that this is such a rare circumstance to go in from the back and cut an artery three way three three uh, uh, structures deep. Uh, it that it it's it, there's no reason for it except malpractice. But they didn't settle. They didn't just say here here's the cap amount. They didn't settle because they know that in Virginia there is a cap. Because they know that it would cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to bring this case, it cost me $300,000 approximately to bring that case, okay? And they knew it. And they also know that more often than not, 75, 80% of the time when a plaintiff, when somebody who's harmed brings an action against a doctor, that the doctor wins, the hospital wins. And so there's no incentive to try to settle the case. One thing they didn't contest was this. We put on evidence that the damages that Nancy suffered were real. She has a brain injury. She's 24 hour, needs 24 hour care. And the cost of that care, the cost of that harm is $9.3 million. They didn't put on one person to contest $1 of that $9.3 million. See, we're, we're here in the General Assembly to stop miscarriages of justice. That's one of those. And, you know, when Joe approached me two years ago about this, and I said, this, one, this is his first thing. I was like, nah, I'm not doing that. Because the, the lobby's really big. But when he told me the reasons behind it, I said, okay, I'll do it. But you have to understand, this is probably a three to five year fight. These things don't change overnight. You've got to change hearts and minds and overcome a lobby. And that lobby's influence on the General Assembly and how it moves. And so we're here in year two. I expect to be back here year, year three, year four, year five, and then we'll get it across the line in many of the same ways that it's taken me to pass very important and significant legislation in the General Assembly that matters so much to people, but you've got to change the hearts and minds, and it takes repetition. Well, to, to, to Bill's credit, he has said, I'm in this for the long haul. He said that to me privately, but he's more importantly said it to publicly, out loud, to his fellow senators, to the medical lobby. Hey, look. You can beat me this time, but I'm coming back next year. You and this, can beat me again, yeah. I'm coming back. And, you know, it was surprising that after the presentation, I went back and listened to the tape in preparation for this second round, uh, there were senators that recognized that it's time to do something about the cap, that this doesn't make sense where we are now in society. And so, yes, they know, though, 
that Bill is coming back. You, 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 and, and, and little by little, like a cold I know store. Bill's going to get it. <laughs> He's gonna, you could put a breathe on it, but it's going to come back. Here's two, things, to here's two things that I've learned. Uh, I've learned more than I care to about uh, the General Assembly and a little bit about law and things of that nature. I do know Bill uh, will not give up on a cause that is important to him or close to his heart. I also know that I no longer like the term lobbyist. <laughs> Not my favorite word. There you go. But while we take a break, I want to remind everybody that Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator is sponsored by Pacematic. Pacematic is an entertainment company which develops gaming software that players love to play and can use their skills to win every single time. Plus, these games of skill provide vital revenue to keep family-owned businesses like bars, restaurants, convenience stores, and truck stops thriving and Bill that I mentioned that I've got a pretty good idea of where Governor Yunkin, when you can get into his ear, we can slide $130, $140 million into his budget. You did mention that. Okay. Just want to make and sure. it's a brilliant mention. It really is. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Christmas is finally behind us, but are you dreading those credit card bills headed your way? Well, here's a pro tip. Don't get stuck making minimum payments in the new year. SaveWithConrad.com can help you get rid of your credit card debt just like that. Oh, and we're going to get you the best deal on a mortgage you've ever had. But how's this for starters? No payments until March. You don't need money out of your pocket or perfect credit. So find out how much money you can save for free right now at SaveWithConrad.com. Hi, folks. This is Hermie Sadler. Thanks for listening to our all-new podcast, Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator. I hope you are enjoying the show as much as Senator Stanley and I enjoy bringing it to you. Whether you're a family traveling together or a truck driver hauling freight up and down the highway, I hope you will take the time to visit one of our Sadler Travel Plaza locations in Virginia and North Carolina. Sadler Travel Plaza locations are licensed dealer locations for pilot travel centers. And we also carry Shell Motiva Petroleum products for our four-wheel friends. We pride ourselves on providing one-stop shopping for service, food, and entertainment. Our food options include Five Guys Burgers and Fries, Quiznos, Dairy Queen, Hermie Sadler's Faux Show Bar and Grill, Victory Lane Restaurant, Hunt Brothers Pizza, Dunkin' Donuts, and much, much more. Our locations include Sadler Travel Plaza in South Hill, located off I-85 at Exit 12, the Sadler Travel Plaza of Emporia, which is conveniently located on Exit 11B off I-95, and Sadler Travel Plaza on Highway 58 in Suffolk. We also have our North Carolina location, Sadler Travel Plaza in Dunn, North Carolina, that's Exit 75 off I-95. We appreciate all of our customers. And Bill and I appreciate you listening to Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator, powered by Pacemat. Now, look, we're getting back to Joe Camerata, and I love your advocacy, and I'll always say this on the podcast to everyone who listens. You need to care about your government because the government will do things uh, that may be adverse to your interest if you don't care. So advocacy is really the heart of where a democracy works at its best. So Joe's up here not advocating for trial lawyers. And I'm not either. We're advocating for Nancy. And that's the most important thing. It's, and it's also what we do as advocates, as attorneys. And I remember back in, I guess it was 1991, 
when did you come on board with Gil Davis? This this scrawny little guy comes in and says, "Hey, can I have a job? How you, you doing? I need a job. I need some money." And uh, let's talk about how you <laughs> and I met. y'all have funny accent. Yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> well, I just put it on. No. <laughs> Tell us how, how I don't, you I don't and I talk met. like that. I, I, I don't talk. By the way, is not a put on. No, no, no. no yours is legit. I wish I had. You know. The ability to speak like you do, because there's a certain charm, you know. There's a certain softness to oh, it. Oh, thank you so much. And it and it softness. and it's and it's softness. It's but it but it makes the point. You know, when they hear somebody with a northeast accent, they say, "Oh, geez, let's put up our defenses." When they see you coming and listen, they'll at least listen to you. You know, we Most gotta of the beat time. we gotta beat them up first. Okay, yeah. let's 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 All just right, have a little let's have a little bit here. I want you to say, "What's up, dickhead?" Say it. I gotta say, dickhead. Yeah, it's a family show. Okay. What's up, dickhead? All right. Hermie, you say it. What's up, dickhead? See, there's the difference. <laughs> <laughs> there's the... What's your point? <laughs> Nothing. I have no point whatsoever. <laughs> Nothing. Let's what's get up? back to... Um... What's up, dickhead? Hand? <laughs> See, you Hand? Can, now you can play this back and hey, you can learn how to talk like a real a American. Interesting conversation. I was looking for a writing utensil a moment ago, and I asked the able Mr. Chad Monday, our, our executive producer, executive producer of... Leaning right and turning left with Sadler and the senator, I asked for a pen, and he said, "What?" And you said, "What?" I said, "I thought you had to go to the bathroom." So y'all say pen, pen. I pen. call. I, I say pen, pen. Yeah, sounds like what you are you doing to... out in the backyard right now? Pen. See, well, Same it could thing. be pen. No, that's or... taking a leak. <laughs> yeah, ta- right. I thought he was trying to hold two things together. He needs a pen. Oh, see now that's that's probably in the New Yorker in you. For this for this podcast only, we can say pen. Do, do you notice how you stick your tongue out like pen? pen. One of my best friends in the world, and we're getting pen. off subject a little bit, which we tend to do. Yeah. But one of my best friends that I raced with for years, did TV with for years, uh, Phil Parsons, younger brother of the legendary Benny Parsons. Mm-hmm. Well, I worked uh, raced with Phil for years, did TV with him for fifteen years, but. He would always, I say, good morning, Phil. And he said, Hermie. Phil's originally from Detroit area. My name has one syllable, not two. <laughs> so I'd say, good morning, Phil. He said, it's Phil. One syllable. Well, he get kind of angry about it. Yeah, I love how you stick out the tongue when you try to talk yeah. normal. I, I kind of spit a little bit, too, yeah, yeah, when yeah. I do Man. y'all's accent. Uh, y'all's? Yeah. I'm from down in your way. Yeah, but you say pen. Sure. Well, because, look, my dad was military, so we lived all over the United States. I didn't have a choice. I couldn't go in there in California and go, anybody got a pen? I tell you, like my you dad know, would say. I get beat say, up again. You know, like I get beat up say, three times. Hey, that's enough. I tell you what my dad would say. I tell you what, the people that need to understand me, understand me. <laughs> that's your dad, the philosophy of fathers. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So, Joe, you know, this is, this is our back and forth, and that's what makes this so entertaining, at least for us. We love this. Uh, hopefully I'm glad I'm here. Too. Thank but, you. You know, let's talk about when you got to, to what was called Gilbert K. Davis and Associates. Yes. How did you get there? I had started my own practice and uh, was looking for work. And uh, so I, I cold called Gil, much the same like you did. Hmm. And uh, I, heard, I, I heard on the street that if it was good enough for Bill Stanley, uh, <laughs> I could make my way in there. So I... Uh, I uh, had an interview with Gil. I spoke to him. I said, hey, you need some help? Well, of course. Uh, and uh, <laughs> That's we, the Gil Davis impression. That's, that's the Gil Davis impression. Yes. We, yeah. What? Outrageous. 
That's Gil, <laughs> and and we love him to death. He I mean, did. he he Thank is you. he's just one great one great attorney, one great person. But yeah. so anyway, that that was it. I I said, listen, I'm I'm happy to work with you. Uh, if you need some help on cases, we'll work out an arrangement. You know, some sort of fee split. And uh, I was off to the races. Uh, I I um, uh, he let me accompany him and and Bill to uh, southwestern part of Virginia. Mm-hmm. To parts that I didn't even know existed. Martinsville. Martinsville, Taswell. Mm-hmm. Or uh, they don't say Taswell. It's uh, Taswell. Here yeah. we go. Anyway, Taswell. It's like Missouri. Tazzle. Don't they say Tazel? No, no. Taswell. Tazel? Just kind of wool. Just kind of end it like that. Tazel. Tazel. Well, you, you got to put a little L in there. Oh. Good Lord. Anyway, I say Tazwell. <laughs> I'm not uh, even going to try to say that word. <laughs> Tazwell. So anyway, it's Tazwell. <laughs> spent a lot of a lot of time in in uh, going down to Martinsville and yeah. and, and uh, Tazwell. Oh, I remember and, a couple of those oh, trips. Yes, right. Yeah, that's he not introduced the subject. Us to that's not Galliano, the subject. Uh, one day, Galliano was was a very good uh, friend of mine <laughs> until it wasn't. Uh, the next morning was not the best of that we'd ever put out. No. Now, I was his law clerk and, and Gil's law clerk, so by proxy, I was your law clerk as well. And as you were starting to get going, you know, you you had cases, we did cases together, and, and Gil was always kind of like the papa bear, always the learned one, always the one trying to teach you, the younger attorney, and me, the stupid law clerk, um, how stupid we were compared to his brilliance, uh, which was usually fun. And we would run into all sorts of characters, and we we do all sorts of fun cases, and there are a bunch of stories we could talk about for hours. But there came a point in time where one day uh, we got this case kind of dropped into our lap, and and I'd mentioned earlier the, one of the most famous cases in American jurisprudence, the matter of Paula Corbin Jones versus William Jefferson Clinton, who was at that time. I'm fast forwarding. I'm now in my last year of law school. At that time, was the sitting president of the United States. And so, Joe, I'm going to lead, uh, let you lead off with your version of the truth <laughs> on how we got this, and then I'll come around and tell you exactly what happened or the stuff that's more entertaining at a cocktail party to tell it this way. Now, remember, <laughs> personal pronouns used by Joe Camerata, when it says, I, me, 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 it should be we, we, and Bill. Okay? So go ahead. How well, of we course, get that case, Joe? Bill became, not only did he start from law clerk, he, he was then the, the uh, lead attorney on the case, even though he was still a law clerk, if, if you listen to, to Bill tell a story. but It's better but, that way. Oh, it's much better. For me. It depends on how you're telling, who you're sure, telling the story to. Sure. But look, what happened was I had an office in Washington, D.C., and I had an office in Gill's uh, suite of offices. Uh and uh, I use the term suite very loosely uh, uh, as to I had an office in this uh, uh, office park uh, in Fairfax, Virginia. Hmm. Anyway, we get a fax uh, at the time of faxes. We get a fax and it had a it was a draft of a complaint. Uh, and uh, Gil brought it in. He says, uh, take a look at this. Uh, somebody uh, is bringing a lawsuit against the president of the United States and and there's a couple of people interested, and uh, they want to know if, I, if we're interested, if we want to take on this case. Now, remember, so we I, are a law firm of me, me, oh, and, oh yeah. and I think <laughs> Joe is that there. me? Is that right me, now, us? Right now, he's telling his story, and you're a law clerk. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. I'm a law clerk. You don't even have access to the fax machine. <laughs> no, no, I no, was no. the guy. No, my job was it was thermal faxes. Remember the ones that curled up? So when it would start spitting out, and w- he went so far as to get one that cut. You know, so it would cut it. And so I'd be chasing the little curly papers around and I had to get the book and smash it all down. 
And we had a copier in there. And again, it's me, Joe, and Gil. And I think I'm going to tell our listeners something real quick. I'm going to whisper this so Bill can't hear it. He has a hard time letting other people tell stories. Oh, really? I mean, if you listen to the Elliot podcast, you know that's not true. I mean, how many times does Elliot go, I thought this was about Mr. me. Mr. Camerata came down to be on our podcast. Uh-huh. You ask him to give his... Right, play I'm going to run play. all over top of it. Well, but I was the guy in charge of putting the book down, and then we had a copier that Gil had retreaded that it could only make 10 copies before it overheated. So I would then burn this my the hands me, me, trying me to make part. these things happen. So go ahead, Joe. Go ahead with your trick. Bill, I got you an see, idea. How about you take a 30-minute break and walk over to the Pocahontas building, see if you got anybody waiting outside to lobby you on anything important, and I'm going to let our guest tell his story. Fine, whatever. I'll be on, I'll be outside. You know, the funny thing is you said that uh, earlier, you know, oh, I thought I was the only one that, you know, returned the phone calls to. Mm-hmm. Well, Bill, you know, I'm I'm on the same list. Yeah. You know, the no call list. Let me tell you how to fix no that. No callback list. Let me tell you how I fixed it. How'd you fix it? <laughs> we generally, generally speaking, talk every night for a varying amount of time. In fact, the other night he called me. We'd already talked for an hour earlier. He called me back and we on the phone for just like two minutes real quick. And, he had, and Angie said, what's wrong with him? I said, what do you mean? She said, y'all never talked for less than 30 minutes. That was two. Like, well, we talked earlier. But so earlier, a couple of weeks ago, he didn't. He was busy, but he didn't call me back for three. I, I was texting three days. So I decided to take it upon myself to publicize our podcast, which is Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator. Our social media handle for our podcast is Sadler Senator at Sadler Senator. So I put out a press release on social media promoting the podcast. Well, he's over here in the General Assembly, and people start reading it, and they think it means that I'm promoting a Twitter handle called Senator Sadler, (laughs) and that I've announced that I'm running for Senate. (laughs) So he's getting bombarded. So he calls me and he says, Hermie, what the hell are you doing? I mean, I'm getting... Raked over the coals over here. They're telling me you're... I said, Bill, I've been trying for three days to talk to you about this podcast and the social media handles and that we needed to promote the podcast. So if you decide not to communicate with me, do it at your own risk. Because (laughs) when I get to three days... I'm going to fire something out that's going to cause you a bunch of heartburn. I, I don't blame you. So I just, call I don't every, blame you I've called him every 15 minutes on the f***ing hour. Oh, I'll bleep that out. <laughs> Ever since. See? He just, he, oh, and he had well, me. He I mean, I just, it. And you can't leave him a message. And he says, he, you know, it makes, you more, full. It makes you more important if yeah. your mailbox is mailbox full. Mailbox is full. Yeah. So that's, what, that's his philosophy. Look, in He's that mailbox. He's gone so far. You have gone so far to tell me. <laughs> I have suggested is the only way to get a hold of you by standing in the hallway. You mentioned standing right. in the hallway. Yeah. He says, yeah, go to the hallway. Like, Wait for Like me. a reception line. Right, yeah. right. Eh, they were waiting to see the king. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right so, go ahead with your story. Sorry. Where, I can't even remember. Where, uh, where, how do we get the Paul Jones case? The thermal where, facts come. Thermal comes. facts. I, I flattened I it out Bill has told me that he was single-handedly, he went out and sought out Paula Jones <laughs> and did multiple <laughs> one-on-one interviews with her. She barely selling, me Selling the, this case to you. So that's right. You take it from there. Right. Straighten uh, that out. You're right. Well, good luck. I have, I have a. I'm a little uh, on in years more so than Bill, and so my memory may have faded. Uh, Mine has not. No, right. So <laughs> you know we're going to defer to Bill's recollection of uh, false events. Uh, anyway, right, Paula Jones looked at y'all's website 
If you had a website back in those days? Uh, no, no. no. I don't Barely think the internet. <laughs> anyway, she looked at some picture some way and said, that that little cute uh, practicing wannabe attorney looks like a Q-tip. I'm going to call him. Oh, man. <laughs> nice nice job. Nice get in. All right, let's get back to this. So anyway, Bill, uh, uh, Bill see, Bill and Gil, they all go yeah, together. Yeah. So one is synonymous with the other. Anyway, Gil comes in and says, hey, listen, we got this fax in. Uh, some woman's got a claim against Paula Jones, against uh, Bill Clinton, president, and uh, uh, they want to know if we want to be involved. So I say to Gil, based on my experience at the Department of Justice, oh, you got to be, be kidding me. I mean, really? Who's suing the president of the United States? How, how do you have a claim against the president of the United States? Because at Justice, we had a lot of claims against the president of the United States that were all bogus, bullshit, and they were thrown out. That's got to be bleeded too. Yeah, we're gonna leave that one in. Uh, all right. So <laughs> if you can go to Dickhead, how come bullshit? I mean, I don't get this. Dick is I a mean, name. Everybody looked up at me. I said, "Dick is a name." Yeah, Richard. And, and you can. I have didn't him. understand what you were saying anyway. So I, I didn't know. <laughs> Sometimes bulls do do that. Anyway, okay. Nice explanation. Right. Well, there you go. Uh, so Gil says, "Hey, look, let's just." Let's read it, see what it what it's what it's saying. Well, and where's uh, Bill? Why y'all doing? It? Is he cleaning the number two toilet? Or what are you doing? <laughs> no, I'm I'm dressing my burn wounds for making the copies on the burn up oh, copy. Okay. I, I don't I don't remember Bill at that point in time. But soon I'll get to him soon. Okay. But at that point I don't remember. So he wasn't necessarily him, in on the ground level. He wasn't in. Well, he wasn't in on that conversation. Okay. That that. That preliminary conversation. You ready to kick him off yet, Bill? Yeah, no, yeah, no, no. You're done. Wait, I'm getting you. I'm, <laughs> I was Gil's bag man, for God's sake. I'm, I did I'm it getting all. you there. I'm getting you there. Uh -huh. Okay. Sure. So I say, I read the complaint, and it's a complaint about a young woman who's abused by a governor. And the governor happens to be now the president of the United States. So I said, oh, this, this relates to conduct when he was governor. It doesn't relate to conduct when he's president. So maybe there's something there. Let's take a look at it. So now, that's when I call in Bill. I said, Bill, get away from the, if you finish with the bathrooms, finish with the fax paper. All right, can you help me out put here? Put the we plunger got... in toilet number two. Bill, put that down and come in the office a moment. Can you, can you come on in? We got some legal research to do. Mm -hmm. And he said, what? I said, legal research. He still said, what? 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 <laughs> what? I, I, I'm not sure he was what asking. What are you talking about, dickhead? I'm not, sure, I'm not sure if he was talking about what did he mean by legal research or what legal research. But nevertheless, uh -huh. we, we told him what. Uh, still a third year you know, law student. Oh, I no, I thought, I thought you me. ran the place. Uh, well, yeah, but doing work for you was not something <laughs> I used to do. I used to do it for Gil. I said, I'm going to have to check with Gil. Get permission. <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, I say to Bill, look. We got this complaint. Let's take a look at it. I seem to recall that there's a case that a sitting president can't be sued. I think it was called Nixon against Fitzgerald was my recollection of the case. Bill, do some research. Let's see what we got. Maybe we can, we can, there can be a valid claim that's not prevented under the law against a sitting president in these circumstances. So then I left it alone to Bill, Okay. <laughs> For a couple of weeks. So you want to pick up the story from there? No, no, I mean... Well, before you start, mm -hmm. I'm sorry I'm messing up y'all's story. No, no, you're fine. Can we get possibly Paula Jones to call in and verify the happenings of this? She'll 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 agree with Joe's side of the story. So no, we don't need that kind of confirmation. So I'll say I, I'll call her and say Joe Camarad and Bill Stanley were in on my podcast. Da, da, da. She said, oh, Joe, tell Joe, how's he doing? Yeah. Hadn't seen him in a while. And who's Bill? 
Well, I'm just saying, <laughs> the dude that carried all the boxes and bags, the guy that walked two steps behind him because they made me, so I wasn't in their shot when they were getting uh, filmed by CNN. I know, we tried to was. keep the shot tight, you yeah, know, yeah. in the press shot. But no, uh, Paula would remember him, mm. you know. I yeah. got a picture of her at your, at your house when we had dinner. Yeah. Uh, she was wonderful too. And, and we're getting ahead of the story, but so, so I did the research. It showed that, you know, when it came to professional or acts as a president, one was immune, that, that there was an immunity from civil, uh, uh, liabilities, but it didn't answer the question of whether a president could be sued for his private actions when he wasn't president. And, and so I gave it to Joe to do that analysis. And, and you came up with the belief that, you know, you could be sued. A president is not a king that you could be sued for your private acts. Yeah, you could be sued for personal private conduct, even if you're a president. Uh, but this happened before he was president, and can the, can the lawsuit go forward? Uh, the Nixon against Fitzgerald uh, prevented lawsuits questioning the official conduct of the president. So uh, that's, not this that's not Paula's case. And for those that don't know, Paula was a, was a woman that worked uh, for the uh, state government, state of Arkansas government, uh, and uh, she was uh, at a registration desk at the, that her state agency was uh, at the Excelsior Hotel. At, at the Excelsior mm -hmm. Hotel. See, I remember. That's right. Um, anybody could look that up. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so at the Excelsior Hotel, and uh, she uh, was uh, a security guard of uh, the then Governor Clinton. Came over, said, "Hey, look, uh, Governor would, would like to He's meet a you." Trooper, trooper, state mm -hmm. trooper, Danny Ferguson. Mm -hmm. uh, Governor would like to meet you. Uh, here's a room number. Go on up. So Paula looks to her friend who's sitting with her at the registration desk. Uh, I think it was Pamela Blackard at mm -hmm. the time. Yes. Hey, look, uh, geez, so what, do you think I should go up there? It's quite, a, quite an honor. Uh, the, the governor wants me to go up. And so Pam says, sure, go up. Why not? What's the big deal? We're in a hotel, big Excelsior Hotel. It's a convention. So the trooper escorts. Well, then don't forget, the thing that the trooper said later was that President Clinton went to him, leaned into him and said, you see that girl with the big hair? She makes my knees weak. Bring her up. And he, what he was doing was he had a habit of getting himself like a hospitality suite or a suite where he then would try to lure people up there. Exactly. Allegedly. And, and you know, when, when Paula was questioning the trooper, Danny, as to whether or not she should go up, one, one chilling line is that, uh, that the trooper told uh, Paula was, ah, don't worry about it. We do this all the time. Well, you know, we now know what that means. Right. We do this all the time. Uh, but so anyway, Paula goes up there. Uh, it just uh, the, the two of them are in the hotel room. Uh, 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 Paula is uh, uh, confronted by, uh, by Clinton. He leans in, uh, tries, to, tries to kiss her. Uh, he uh, runs his uh, hand uh, up, up her leg. Uh, at some point, uh, he exposes himself. Uh, and ask uh, Paula Jones to kiss it. Kiss it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> she she says, I'm not that kind of woman. And she leaves the Excelsior Hotel. I mean, leaves the, the the room, goes bound, back down to Pam and... and uh, very and, upset. And, and very upset and, and tells Pam, you know... Your, your Clinton is pretty good. No, he's good. Thank you very much. I used to call him up and swear at him when during the case. I go, hey, Joe Camerata, you're a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's Paula... Paula's case, and so the the there was a local lawyer that she had, uh, a, a fellow by the name of Danny Trailer, lawyer mm -hmm. by the name of Danny Trailer, and it was his complaint that was sent over by fax for us to review. 
Now, after our review, we recognized that there were a lot of holes in that complaint. And that complaint would not would likely not withstand judicial scrutiny. In federal court. Thrown out in federal court virtually immediately. The way it was written, the way it was pled, the things that they were claiming were the the, the harms. So, so but before you continue, is, is, was this really boils down to he said versus she said? Because were there only two there? That- well, we 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 took it out of that, and I, I I'll get to that in a minute as to as to yeah. how that how it wasn't he said she said. Mm-hmm. At that point, it was he said she said. Uh, but anyway, so the look the long and the short of it is this. We, um, I, I got Danny Trailer on the telephone. I got Danny Trailer on the telephone. Uh, I had to use a payphone. There were no cell phones at the time. I got him on a payphone. It had been two weeks since he sent us the complaint. And he says, uh, hey, Joe, you know, with an Arkansas accent that I can't do. Uh, good to hear from you, but, but I, I'm filing this tomorrow. I got a, I got a press conference tomorrow. I said, what do you mean? Well, I, I, I didn't hear from you. I got to file this thing. So I said to him, well, Danny, if you file it, I don't think it's going to survive a motion to dismiss. You got this problem, this problem, this problem, this problem. He says, well, you know, I, well, I, I still have the, 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 this press conference. What am I supposed to tell the press? I said, well, are you feeling a little sick right now? <laughs> he says, yeah. I said, well, tell him you're feeling sick. We'll be right there. <laughs> so I called Bill, not Gil. I called Bill mm-hmm. and I said, Bill, get Gil. We got to get together. We got to come to the office tonight and we got to redraft this complaint because next morning we got to fly to Little Rock mm-hmm. and meet Paula Jones and do our due diligence. And that's what happened. And, and actually, though, it was a couple days back. Um, Gil, after you gave the spiel on Nixon versus Fitzgerald, why this could be a case, looking at that stuff, you'd stop Danny Trailer from really kind of uh, jumping out too fast, too far. Uh, Gil looks at us and goes, I think we're going to the Supreme Court on this one, boys. And he walks out, and we're like, what are you doing? we got to work. And he says, I'm going to the New Orleans Jazz Festival. I'll be back in two days. <laughs> and what I remember is that Joe and I look at each other, and I think we used some very coarse language. Like, what are we going to do? You know, usually there's always like, we were left holding the bag. And, you know, okay. Well, so we stayed up for two days. If you recall? I do recall. And we went across the street to the 7-Eleven. We're in Fairfax City. Of course, this case is in Arkansas. And uh, Michael Isikoff had done an article, did he not? He did. And, and Investigative we, reporter for the Washington Post. And because we had only a certain amount of facts, what Danny Trailer had told you, what, and I don't know if we'd even talked talk to Paula yet. No, no. And, hadn't, and, to, hadn't spoken to Paula. We had the outline of the complaint uh, that barely, st- you know, had a bare bones uh, set of facts. Mm-hmm. My, so we went to the. We knew that. We knew that Isikoff was was uh, on the story, writing for the Post at that writing time. Writing for the Post at that time, and was set to write a an expansive piece. So we uh, waited went over till the s- Washington Post truck came out in front of the Seven Eleven, ran over there and got the first copy. That's like right. at what two in the morning, we stayed up straight for a couple of days. Now remember, the the case itself, not only what was done to her. She was willing to let it go. It's when it's when it showed up in the National Spectator that one in Troopergate was the story. And yeah, the American ma- Spectator. Yeah, American Spectator, and it made her look like she was compliant, and that's what upset her. Right. And so we we then used that Washington Post article to fill in some of the blanks, and I had to go ask my mother. I'm getting ready to take my last law school exams for my last year. 
And I said, I can't miss this piece of history. And so uh, Joe wouldn't loan me any money. I was broke living at home. And so my mom <laughs> loaned me the money to get the plane ticket to go to Little Rock with you and Gil. Uh, and I went to my I went to my law school, and I said, "Look," and I went to the District of Columbia School of Law, which is very liberal. And um, and I said, "Look," um, told all my professors I'd like three exams. I, I I'm going to have to drop out. I this is what's going on. I've got to go be a part of this, or I'll regret it for the rest of my life. And they looked at me, all of them, and said, "Well, look, here's the exam. Just take it and fax it back. Do it while you're down there." And that's and so I was freed. I wasn't going to have to go back to law school for another semester. And that's how we geared up to, to get to Little Rock. And so at that point in time, we're, we're still drafting the complaint. Gil comes back. And instead of coming into the office, he wanted us to come out to his place where he was having a pizza party and, um, and review the case. Joe blew his stack. You remember that? <laughs> Am I right you're, so far? You're, you're right so far. What are you talking about pizza party? We got work to do. You know, stuff like dickhead. That. Dickhead. Yeah, right. I, <laughs> like I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I usually don't say dickhead. That, that was never my uh, <laughs> hey, policy. Let me get another. <laughs> while we digest that, another mention in. Leaning right and turning left with Sadler and the Senator is powered by Pacematic. Pacematic is an entertainment company which develops gaming software that players love to play and can use their skills to win every single time. Pacematic is also focused on people having fun, the small businesses that love them, and generates millions of dollars in Virginia. Bill, did I mention that during the tax and regulation period with these skill games, under ABC, we generated about $140 million of revenue. You probably said that, but I was downstairs because you got you made me leap. But yes, yes, indeed. They and could be used for lots of good purposes. You're, you're right. Exactly. In right. the budget. There's still time. Do you know any senators that I might could talk to about? Uh, I know 39 of them. Um, you know, I can show you where to go, but any I'm not going with you. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. They're, they are all great listeners. On a serious note, we do thank Pacematic for sponsoring the podcast and giving us this platform to have discussions like we're having today with y'all's ongoing build introduction and and moving things through uh, the general assembly to help a lot of people in need and also this finally a truthful recollection of the paula jones case (laughs) time to tell you about something i'm super passionate about protecting your family yes this is a life insurance ad for goliathlife.com but to me this is really about peace of mind think about insurance for a second We all get medical and auto insurance, yet we never even know if we're going to have a need for it. Let me let you in on a little secret. You need life insurance. We're all going to die. Now, as you let that reality sink in, think about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow. If you don't have a plan for that, you need to visit goliathlife.com. And I mean right now. And just personally, I've lost two friends in their 40s this past year and a half, and I don't even want to think about what their families would be going through had they not had life insurance. If you don't have it, get it. Protect your family. And I suggest you go to GoliathLife.com because they've made the process of getting affordable life insurance super easy. Goliath Life streamlines the life insurance process by allowing you to get quotes for more than 20 carriers within minutes. And you'll pick your terms and payments to fit your budget. You pick your price, you start the online application immediately, and even schedule the medical exam to come to you. And I've done it. They sent someone to my office. I skipped the phone calls, the paperwork, and the crazy invasive conversations. Goliath Life makes buying life insurance simple. There's no hidden fees, no upsells, no hassle. Hell, not even a phone call. Goliath Life is life insurance in your hands on your time. 
Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at goliathlife.com. Now, there are a couple sources that our listeners can can refer to in, uh, in what we did. And we're trying to give you the inside stuff because it really is... Uh, it's one thing in a book or in a, or in a mini series. It's another thing. What what our truth or my truth and your version of the truth is. But if you go to um, there's a book by Jeffrey Tubin that was written around the time ninety eight. This is nineteen ninety four. What we're talking about. Wait, Jeffrey Tubin. See the guy that was. Oh no. Yeah. Well, this was before <laughs> he uh, got on a Zoom call when he before Zoom. Yeah. When he should have zoomed right instead of zooming left. Um, so it was called a vast conspiracy, which which I thought was a pretty good detailing of, of our whole experience in representing Paula Jones. But more importantly for our listeners, just recently on FX, and probably you can find it on Netflix or on the internet, there was a miniseries called Crime Story Impeachment. And in that, uh, which of course details at least part of our involvement, why we're telling this story is too, because, you know, Hollywood does certain things. But so, so they said, you know, that these guys... We, that we were in some big, beautiful law firm, right? Uh, we weren't. We were in a small uh, little second floor condo. It had a better looking Joe Camerata, you know, which he did, was not that good looking, nor was he that tall. And then they kind of left me out. I don't know why. <laughs> Obviously, if you roll to the credits, you see, you know, consultant Joseph B. Camerata. And now I know why I'm not in it. Um, but it made it look I like was we were fancy lawyers I, I was doing sh- fancy things. The, 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 it, was the, it happening we to me because you weren't relevant enough? <laughs> <laughs> Let's not. I'm it's his podcast. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that that was the case. Uh, but you know, but but truth <laughs> is sometimes stranger than fiction, and that certainly is the case here. While they got some of that right, what then we were, we were about to tell you is we got on a flight, American Airlines flight seven twenty one. By the way, see how my memory is. I still have the ticket. And we jetted off to Arkansas. And talk about that. I mean, we fly in Arkansas. We're fish out of water. Do you remember what hotel we stayed at? No. Holiday Inn. I don't, right in I don't remember American Airlines flight number, where we stayed. Do you remember when we were flying back that lightning hit the plane? See, no. you remember when the Washington Post? I mean, I'm not sure I was in the same plane. Do you remember when the Washington Post identified me as a spokeswoman? And Gil got a big laugh reading the paper as we were flying back. Well, I don't know where we were, but I do remember that. That was on the airplane, yes, I swear. Yes, okay. Because <laughs> yeah. he was mad at me. It, but we'll well, get I don't that. blame him. All right, so, so we fly down there. We meet our client for the first time. Pick it up from there, Joe. All right. We, what that's we untrue. Wanted to, Let huh? me tell you my, that's untrue. Let me tell you my... No, go <laughs> <laughs> What we wanted to do is meet the potential client and do due diligence. Are, the, are there facts to support... The claims that we were making or right. about to make, and you were and, a big skeptic. You were. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, 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 my bias uh, was against such a claim. Uh, you know, what type of interaction do you have at that level? And 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 so I really had to convince myself, be convinced by talking to the potential client, by talking to witnesses that. That yes, they weren't in the room, but they were contemporaneously told of problems that she had with the governor at the time. So uh, we did do that. We met Paula. We met Paula's mother. mother. This is we the met, 4th of May, 1994. 4th of May, 1994, mm-hmm. yeah. There, there, were, there was a, what, what, what the concern was, there's a period of time within which after someone is harmed that you have to file a lawsuit. That period of time is called a statute of limitations. If that period passes, well, then 
any claim you might have is extinguished, is, is barred, it's prevented from going forward. The person you sue will say it's too late. And so we were running up against the, uh, the, the statute of limitations. I think the statute of limitations, this, this event in the Excelsior Hotel happened on May 6th. Mm-hmm. And so we were right up on the statute of limitations. Last two days, 48 hours to go. Right. And how, how many years after? I mean, three. So in this three? particular circuit, mm-hmm. it was three. Okay. So, so three years, so it was 92 when, or 91. 91. Okay. Yeah, this is 94. Uh, so... Yeah, be four yeah. nine of three. He's not on the finance committee. I'm not a math that's, guy. That's I'm not sure. a math guy. He's not on the finance committee. Thank <laughs> God. So when you're talking to him about the hundred forty million dollars, I think you better get a finance guy. Yeah. I mean, right. Well, Janet would never allow me on that committee. <laughs> She's smart. <laughs> She's smart like that. So anyways, three years statute of limitation got two days to go. So we fly in into Danny Trailer's offices and we meet Paula, her mother, uh, and and two witnesses, Pamela Deborah Ballantyne and Pamela Blacker. Pamela Blacker was a woman, a uh, young lady who was at the registration desk. Mm-hmm. All right. So we do what we need to do. We talk and we uh, d- d- determine what the facts are. And they're adding up to base, basically what we've read and understood. Well, and I, if I remember, you were the one when you listened to the witnesses, that's when you turned away and said, this, this really happened. Yeah, well, this really happened. Yeah, I, I did. And Paula was so natural and naive and truthful. I mean, she was just, and, and part of even what we said in the lawsuit was, let's keep Paula Paula because she was just so truthful. And How old was she? That was her scariest point. I mean, that's where she had the most leverage. Any idea? Uh, 20s? Late 20s, okay. maybe. Mm-hmm. Yes, she was just so naive. So innocent. And she had a soft accent like mine? Oh, yeah. Uh, she had really, uh, I'd. And, 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 very, and so very nice, wonderful lady. One thing that I remembered uh, was from the Michael Jackson case. When Michael Jackson was accused of molesting a young boy, the young boy said, no, well, it's just not my word against his word because I could tell you about his genital area. So I cleared the room and I... Uh, I cleared the room True. Now he's and I, I uh, sat in the room with Paula Jones, just me and her. And, uh, and uh, I, I determined. Just, just your phone's ringing. Do a Bill Stanley on him and hit decline. <laughs> <laughs> I can show you how to do it. It's really easy. He's good. It's I mean, really yeah, easy. there's a decline. Yes. But I'm surprised. new three-day. Yeah. yeah. I, want, I'm I got gonna, him. I, got him. I, I sent him something the other night on um, email, a video that I made, that once I get three days and five seconds. I'm releasing. I'm putting it out. In 15 minutes, he had an answer. (laughs) And that answer was no. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm glad it's it's just not only me. I'm glad this is like a survivor's club. (laughs) It's a fraternity. You know, it's a fraternity. Look, my mom would complain about the same thing, okay? So, so anyway, I mean, anyway, you, you so went in there. I get her in the, in the, in the conference room and I say to her, Paula, was there anything about Clinton's genital area that was unusual to you? You didn't ask her that. Yes, I did. did. And she said, yeah. I said, well, what is it? What was it? And she told me and I said, well, can you describe the genital area for me? Yeah, it was very thin. She said. 
about the size of a quarter <laughs> the, the <laughs> diameter. And 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 so I said, well, well she Paul, don't even know what thin is. <laughs> <laughs> we have to bleep that out yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, that's a later podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So and she gave so, you a great, I mean, so a, I, an incredibly I, specific. Dis- description. So I, I said, to you, her, this is not a joke. You really had this conversation. This yeah. is not a joke. Wow. This is not. This a joke. turned into an affidavit later. But I so take, I said to her, I said to her, well, can you draw it? She no said yes. Yeah. Yes. I said, yeah. here's here's a piece of paper. Draw draw it for me. So she drew it. I said, Can you sign it and date it? So she signed it and dated it. I took it and I left. You know, I said, okay, thank you very much. And so I added a line in the complaint that said there were distinguishing characteristics in Clinton's genital area that were obvious to Jones. That's the line. And Verbatim. that was the TNT. And, that, and so when we filed the complaint, and we're skipping up. Okay. Yeah. When we filed the complaint, I let the press know. Look at paragraph, making it up now, 163. Read that. Yeah. Because then it was no longer he said, she said. Because now It she, was he said, she saw. She saw. Yeah. Right. And, and she so, drew. And yeah. she drew. So we work up this complaint. I'm typing. We had a pool... Uh, who was oh. the pool secretary who worked with us all night. We didn't sleep. We're, 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 was it the first day or the second day when we get a call from Bill Clinton's attorney? Well, it was the first day. First day. See, but but on the first day, um, the only person that was known to be Paula's attorney was Danny Trailer. We were in his office. So Bob Bennett... Just a, a a giant in the legal community at, at Skadden Arps. His, dad, his brother was Bill Bennett, who was Secretary of Education under Bush. Bush I think won. so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just two uh, just two uh, wonderful uh, gentlemen. Uh, you know, uh, maybe opposite sides of the political spectrum, what have you. Uh, but but Bob Bennett was just a, a, a fine lawyer. Skadden Arps, huge law firm. Okay, against these little guys, and and it's it's just. The three of us, okay, he included me. Mega, mega law firm, yeah, and uh, and so Bob has been calling over to uh, to Danny Trailer. Danny says, "Hey, Bob Bennett keeps calling me." So Gil says, "I know him from way back when when I was working in the U.S. Attorney's office. I'll call him." They worked together, yeah. In the U.S. Attorney's office, and so uh, uh, Gil then eventually had a conversation with uh, with uh, uh, Bennett in an attempt to try to see if we could resolve the case. There was no discussion of money at all. Uh, it was a discussion of getting some type of a recognition that Paula did nothing wrong and that she was a good person uh, and that uh, that was that. The first uh, line of that, uh, so so these two guys, and we're and this is a great story too because we're in Danny Trailer's office. They're having this discussion, and and I think Bob Bennett was uh, really shocked that we weren't asking for any money. That all she wanted, all Paula Jones wanted, is her reputation back, which is really, in, you know, for us that's that's great. But as lawyers, and I'm, how am I going to pay my mom back for the airplane? Uh, you know, that was her integrity. All she wanted was an apology. So they then craft what is an apology, which led with this statement. Although I do not remember meeting. Miss Jones, I do not, um, I do not question her account. 
Yeah, I don't. You know I, don't uh, I don't. I haven't read it in a long time. Uh, he, and then, he and then it's just basically, but, but nothing I don't, bad I don't, happened. I don't. Uh, I'm not. Uh, uh, you don't object to. I don't. Yeah. But nothing contest. bad. Happened. I'm or, not a lawyer, or, and much like Bill, I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just I'm hoping. And, I'm hoping y'all didn't go for that line. Oh yeah. <clears throat> well, in fact, in fact, they work out the language. And this is a story I remember. Let's see if you remember. We're standing in Danny Trailer's office. And actually, back in the day, you did have speakerphone, believe it or not. And uh, we're on speakerphone. And what I remember was we kept hearing this coughing in the background, like, Meh. and and Gil Davis says, well, look, uh, Bob, I mean, unless your client agrees to this. We're just, you know, spinning wheels here. We need to know that he's going to be able. And what he would do is he would walk out into the press room, read the statement, not take questions, and then not address the suit. Otherwise, we would have a tolling limitation where we could bring the lawsuit back if that happened. And uh, and Gil's like, you know, it doesn't matter if your client hasn't read it. And he goes, no, he's read it. You know, he's like, well, can I be sure? And he's like, because I'm in his office. I'm with him. I, and all of us were standing around in a kind of center circle, and we all went, for a second, we're like, we're on the we're on the phone with the White House. This is awesome. I mean, we were almost like kind of we, a little giddy. I, 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 my 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 memory's a little different, but it, 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 the point is the point. Bill was out getting tacos. <laughs> <laughs> Bill <laughs> Bill was Bill, Bill was going home by then. He was a store to get Clorox wipes. <laughs> Bill. Bill, he does such a good job with the fax machine, so he, we had him set up <laughs> yeah, working right. Danny's fax machine. Yeah, yeah. Right, so that's where Bill was. No, uh, we were in the, in, in the room on the phone, and we had worked on language. And, and the question was, who was going to read it? So Bob Bennett said the, that, that, that a press person will read it. I said, no, we want the president to read it. So Bennett says, one minute, hang on, I'm with the president. He puts us on hold. He gets back on the phone, and he says, the president says he will read it. At that point, we look at each other say, my God, we're negotiating directly with the president of the United States. This is pretty heady stuff. Yeah. He might yeah. be close on that recollection, but still, yeah, I like I mean, mine better. Know, so, I, <laughs> so then, so then, you not let him finish. It's like Elliot Sadler for you. So then, I'm, I'm leading him here. So, leading. So then, Objection. So right. then, so then, Paula Jones agrees to the set, to the statement being read. No money exchanging hands. The the president gives his preliminary agreement. We're we're one day away from the filing deadline. We're not. We filed on the sixth. Um, what happens next? This is the greatest part of the story. This shows and proves that I was there. Go ahead, tell it. Tell it what you think. All right. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna take, put it in context. I told you earlier that there's a deadline that you have to file within which to, to file statute of limitations deadline. Parties. Both sides can agree if they're negotiating or they want to try to work it out to extend that deadline, to let it toll, T-O-L-L. And so, and so we said we want to have an agreement to keep the statute open, to toll the statute of limitations. Bob Bennett said, no, that's a deal breaker. We're not going to give you that under any circumstances. You have to agree to it right now or not by the deadline. So the pre the, Bob Bennett said, you owe it to the president not to file the lawsuit today. Wait one day, just wait. 
Give us the benefit of the doubt. Let us try to work this out. So we, Danny Trailer's office overlooked a courtyard. And in that courtyard were, was a multitude of press, multitude of press that were there when we got there and were the, still there. Day Actually, in, was, day out. It was right in front of the federal courthouse, which yeah. was that one block down in that court. In right. That courtyard. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So the press had been calling. In addition, I told you Bob Bennett was calling, but the press were hounding Danny Trailer. When are you going to file? 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 So we needed to answer these calls. So I wrote on a piece of paper, a little piece, scrap of paper that I think Bill still has. I still have it, yes. That, that, we are not filing today. For reasons we are not at liberty to, to disclose oh, okay. at this time, we will not be filing the Paula Jones lawsuit against William Jefferson Clinton. I don't think it was that. Yes. That, 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 that I, I, ex- I have it. Expansive. I, I memorized I, we we intend It wasn't to, that. I had one line. We We're intend to file the lawsuit tomorrow. We, we, uh, we. And you what, struck wait, out. No, no. We will file a lawsuit tomorrow. I crossed through it in my, because, you know, I was writing it out. We may file it tomorrow. All right. Intent. So now I say to Bill, Bill, I know you've been just working on the faxes. <laughs> and, the this is, and the toilets. This is a big day for you. <laughs> we want you to go down <laughs> to the press. What was I thinking? Okay. I had to be, I had to be crazy. On the I, had big stage. <laughs> oh, I had to be crazy. Okay. I said, Bill, take this slip of paper. I give him the paper. Go down and read only this piece yeah. of, of this statement. Do not say no, you anything else. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> Do not say a word. Look, you said just stick to this piece of paper. Right, so what does that mean? But before we got there, we're like, all right, Danny. All right, Danny, you want to go down there? And Danny's like, I don't want to go down there. I mean, throngs of people. In fact, when you look down there, there was that McDougal dude in the whitewater. He was there in a big white hat and his white suit looked like the colonel. There's a guy in a chicken suit, I swear, down there who was saying Clinton was chicken. And, and they're looking down, they're like, I'm not going to do it, you do it. I'm not going to do it. And it was like, Mikey, let's get Mikey, he'll do it. So they turn and go, Bill, go read this. And no, he no. rips it off the piece we, of paper. There was no chance Gil or I were going to read it. The reason is we didn't want our identity disclosed until we filed a lawsuit. Mm-hmm. That was our motivation. So he, there was- He was- Oops. He was, <laughs> he was expendable. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. expendable. He could, yeah. Yeah, he could, yeah. he could take the hit. Yeah. So, right. And so, the, but they wouldn't have to know- who he was tied up with, right? That was not explained to me oh, in, come in, on. in the way that it should have been. I, <laughs> I can get a so, sense of where this is. <laughs> yeah. So, so he gives me the piece of paper. I'm like, okay. And I'm in a suit. I'm in, I'm in a suit. And, uh, and I walk down there. And this throng, it's hot. It's a, it's a hot day in May. Um, they turn and they look. And there's this one guy with a little strand of paper. I mean, he ripped it off the yellow pad. So it's like, it's, and I have it in a scrapbook. And it's about an inch and a half thick. Yeah, and it's it. your handwriting in blue pen because you love that blue pen. And, uh, and I'm walking down there. And they look like hungry bears. Like, here comes a chicken. And, except not the guy in the chicken suit. And they rush toward me. And they go, are you with the case? Are you with the case? And I went, uh-huh. And they rush towards me. And they envelop me. And they push me to this bank of uh, microphones. I mean, pushing me to this bank of microphones. Yeah, who are, what are you doing? And I said, for reasons we're not on liberty disclosed, we're not be the final Jones case. And they're like, say it again. You're not being loud enough. I said, for reasons. And they say it again. And then, all right. And then all of a sudden, this white van comes up, pulls the door open, goes, CNN, we're going live. 
make a hole, and these reporters kind of part, and there's a guy with a camera in a in a white van. Now, I've always taught was taught the creepy white vans are not good things. So I thought Watch I was gonna, it's a bad day. For a second, right. I thought I'm dead. I'm never going to clean another <clears> toilet. <throat> this is going to be awful. And so I read it again. The and only said, experience I had with a white van hmm. was in in Brooklyn uh, Halloween. We were standing on a street corner, a bunch of guys. Okay, and then a white van pulls up. The back doors open up. I thought we were going to get killed or something. You know, had it. So who knows what was going on? Well, they had a crate of eggs. I mean, eggs, more eggs than I've ever seen stacked up and they started pelting us with eggs that was the anyway so anyway the white oh, yeah, van story yeah, well, okay. but go ahead see, see see how he wanders you need to believe that my <laughs> recollection is true because this is like we got to take him back to the villages by 5 30 so he can ride his golf cart to dinner and get the blue plate special so, so they say this. So, There's some so, things I remember so this that are emblazoned where, on my mind. So, but go ahead. I'll, yeah. so this I'll is tell where, the truth after you're done. <laughs> so this is where it went sideways a little bit. A little bit. But I was enjoying the heck out of it. So they're up looking down at me. They got the crowd around me. The guy in the chicken suit's there. McDougal's there with the big hat. Get back to what happens when Wolf so, Blitzer shows up. So, <laughs> <laughs> it was not Wolf Blitzer. I would have stopped and gone, hey, Wolf, can I get your autograph? So I read the thing again and again because some people are, you know, they're running with cameras. So you have to read it again. Uh, they said, are you the attorney? I said, no, I'm not an attorney yet. Who are you? I'm Bill Stanley. <laughs> Why aren't you attorney? I, I go to law school. I'm a lawyer, third-year uh, th- third law student. What law school? District of Columbia School of Law. Who do you work for? I work for Gilbert K. Davis and <laughs> Joseph P. Camerata. Here's their address. Here's their phone number, basically. <laughs> Who are they? They're, they're Paul Jones' attorneys. And they asked me all questions under the sun. 25 minutes later, it felt like. I think it was probably about 20 so minutes. So you, you went in business for yourself, Dan. Oh, yeah. I was big time. I was big time. You watching. 25. He says 25. I think it was 45. <laughs> you decided watching, to go in business for yourself. They asked I'm me all sorts of upstairs, questions. I'm from upstairs. I said, where's Bill? They asked me all sorts of questions. They gave him a line to read. Yeah. <laughs> We're watching from. Dude. I'm saying, oh, my God. And, he, and Bill's down there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See that little blip up there? In a, that's them. Uh, so I walk back up. I Let's can everybody remember, wave. They're looking at the window. I can remember opening the door, and Joe's got this look on his face. And what the hell were you talking about? I'm like, oh, they asked me questions. What did you say? I told him I went to law school. My name. You gave him your name? Yeah. Did, you didn't say my name. Oh, yeah. I told him Joseph P. Camerata and Gil Davis. And he's like, I'm cooked. I'm done. Oh, I can't believe it. I don't. I can't believe I gave you that to do. The one thing I give you to do, you mess it up. <laughs> and so, and so that was the day, and that was the end of our thing. We thought we had the case settled. That night, do you remember, Joe? We all went to a Mexican restaurant with uh, Paula and her husband. Do you recall that? I do remember that. And we and we couldn't find a seat. It was downtown Little Rock. And we were sitting kind of near the bar. Well, no, actually, Gil Davis wanted to sit near the bar because he wanted to see the TV coverage. If you recall that, I don't recall that. Okay, see now this is this is my favorite part of the story. This is where this whole thing turned into a lawsuit. We're sitting there. We think we got the case settled. We're eating. Well, I remember. I remember why it turned into a lawsuit, but I don't remember Gil sitting by the TV. Oh no, Gil wanted to sit near the TV so he could see, and they had CNN on Crossfire at the time, and they had the Rage and Cajun on there. So we're sitting there with Paula James and Carl. She was, yeah, and she was married to a guy named Steve at the time. Steve's. Profession or one of his professions was he was an Elvis impersonator, and so not only was he an Elvis impersonator, he talked like Elvis even when he was normally like you know that's not right. 
Remember that? <laughs> that is true. That's why you're laughing. So I'm, you know, I'm going, okay, I'm going to have to pay my mom back like 700 bucks. I don't know. I'm going to do that. I'm going to have the uh, fajitas. And, and, and so the lady comes to order. your name on CNN. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh-huh. No, not, they didn't even show that. Oh, yeah. So they showed it during the, uh, the, the broadcast. But the crossfire's on. And, and I'm sitting there across the way, and Steve orders. He says, uh, I'd like to have the chimichanga special, please. And so I start going, <laughs> chimichanga special. And then I'm trying to get him to laugh, and he's all wound up, because Joe Camarada's wound up so damn tight. Um, and he's like, chimichangas. And so I was going, I'll have the double taco Diablo. <laughs> and, uh, and right then and there, after we'd made, about 10 minutes into our order, the Raging Cajun is on there with the guy with the white hair. And he said something to the effect of, when they, when they brought up the Paula Jones case, is the president worried, blah, blah, blah. And part of it was trying to assure her that they weren't going to disparage her character if they read the statement. And it's the, the most famous line in that case, at least the beginning of that case, before tabloid trash with a legal caption. He says, I talked to her sister or something, and, and this is what you get when you drag a $100 bill through a trailer park. Isn't that about what he said? Yeah. And, and Paula being Paula looks at Steve and says, Steve, I told you they wouldn't, I told you they're going to talk badly about me. I told, get up. We're leaving. We're, we're not settling this case. And we were kind of anticipating we weren't going to have to stay up all night and write this complaint, finish it up and get ready. And I'll never forget. And I swear this is the truth. And then I'm trying not to laugh because it's, I know we've got a lot of work to do. Uh, Steve goes, uh, ma'am, can I have my chimichanga to go? And uh, I thought that was hilarious. And Joe shoots me and look like, what the hell are you doing again? I'm like, <laughs> he said, I'll take my chimichanga to go, just like Elvis. And uh, and they left, and we got up, and we started working. And worked all night until we filed a lawsuit the next day. We we did work. We now, did, I'm pretty uh, much out of the story because all I did was uh, carry boxes <clears throat> for the next uh, day. So go ahead. The, the, I, I, I remember that we did finally find a place to eat. Because Why we, did they so – Y'all decided not to settle because Paula was mad at a comment they had made on TV. No, I, I, here, here's I I I it's a little it's stated a little differently. Is is the, is the surprise, oh, okay, so, Grandpa? Okay, let's go, Grandpa. God. Is is that we eventually found a place to eat, and I don't know that it, I, I, uh, we we I don't know if it came before or after this event. But we were in Danny Trailer's office, and we told Paula Jones they wouldn't agree to extend the time for you to file. You have to make a decision. We became aware of press reports at that time where the press said, unnamed White House sources say, the reason Paula didn't file was because she was afraid her families were against her. She didn't have a case. All of that, that type type of thing. The fears that we had that the president would read the statement and then turn around through press people and undo what the president said were just brought to reality. If we didn't have a time period within which to file a lawsuit after the statement was read, because we wanted to prevent the situation just like that from happening, we can sue him if. He didn't live up to the, 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 keep quiet. At that point, we realized we had just two alternatives. One, accept their language. Or two, file a lawsuit. We, Paula Jones, I can remember vividly, was in, on the floor and on the corner crying. 
because she didn't want to file a lawsuit. She just wanted her good name and reputation back. That was all it. That was before the so, Mexican restaurant. That's right, true. Okay. So we put her, we put, we, we asked her, what do you want to do? It's totally up to you. And then she finally came around and said, okay, we'll file a lawsuit. So at that point, there was no further talking to Bob Bennett. Gill penned in writing, in handwriting, a letter to Bob Bennett. And in, in, in effect said that we have wanted a tolling agreement. You have said it's a non-starter, a no, no deal, deal breaker. And so what we have to do is to protect her and we will file, be filing the lawsuit. And so that's what he did. Uh, and, and he sent that to uh, in some way. He got it, I guess, faxed to Bob Bennett. And, uh, and then we wound up uh, finalizing a complaint, uh, 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 having it printed, you know, hundreds, a lot of copies. And, yeah, I carried and, uh, those yeah. <laughs> in a box. You did a good job. In an amount. He, That's what, that was he my came job. out and said, don't you remember oh. me? I'm the guy that was here this morning, yesterday. And you should, and you should never, I mean, <clears throat> these two guys then became glory hounds, trying to like jockey for position in front of the cameras. Like Gil was insisting. Well, at first he was, he was to your right. And there's like, uh, because then it would say Joseph Camerata and Gil Davis. And so then he used to always insist afterwards that I have to be on your left. You can't. And then, and then Joe, of course, Gil is a, a wonderful, articulate um, speaker. Uh, he gives the best, he gave the best closing arguments ever. Very he, insightful. He would, yeah. And, and dramatic and wonderful. I, I learned so much from that. But then he would go into an in-depth, you know, wonderful dissertation on the law. And, uh, and Joe stands up and goes, this is the raping of Paula Jones. And, and that makes the paper and nothing else that Gil said. And so this started kind of a natural fun tension about how even you were trying not to be in the lead, but somehow they always kept picking up your little quippy sayings and Gil's four-minute dissertation never made, which taught me how to speak in 10 to 15-second sound bites, both in, in court cases well, that and was, here. In that, the, was, in that was the thing. And, when you, and you're masterful at it. I, I, actually, I, you know, I listened to you, your orations here in the Senate, I, I, absolutely spectacular in terms of capturing the essence without... Holy cow! I got Jesus. that from Gil, not you. you know, that's no, for I didn't sure. say you got it from me. <laughs> but but uh, but wherever you got it, I'm glad you got it because oh, you do you. a great did, job. Did y'all file this in the Supreme Court? Or? We filed it in the in the U.S. District Court, federal court in Arkansas. Okay, mm -hmm. let's fast forward. I mean, so we're we're up against the president, and let me tell you something. Anytime we filed something, and we're back <clears> at our little office. Let's see, we fly back. Our plane got hit by lightning. You don't remember that? I don't remember that. See, I remember all that. Uh, uh, but still. Uh, we fly back, we land. Uh, I go back to my law school. There's press outside. My law school's mad at me because I did my <laughs> stupid crap down there at the press conference because I said I went to the I'm DC glad school. We're of law. not the only ones. They were trying. They were trying to be a, a post secondary um, uh, school for the District of Columbia, who Clinton had promised would become a state, and so that's how they bought what was Antioch, turned it into DC school law. That long story short. So they're all mad at me. I'd I'd finished my exams and faxed them back. I was wondering if I was going to get kicked out or graduated, but but the William Robinson. Uh, the president at the time made sure that I, I graduated. He was very kind. Uh, a lot of turmoil, a lot of things. But every time we did something, if we, I mean, our fax machine would go <clears throat> ring off the hook and here would come 20 pages. If you filed a two-page motion, they would have a response within 15 seconds. They were trying to out-chess match us and play us all the time. They were filing motions. They just figured since we were small, 
They knew we were a small firm, that we couldn't keep up with the big firm, Skadden Arps. We couldn't keep up with the president and that we would capitulate, which I have to give you and Gil credit for. Um, you never did. You just made me write everything while you guys went on Geraldo and uh, talked about how great you were. Thank you. Uh-huh. But uh, and what's wrong with that? Nothing. Uh, it was MSNBC and- at the time. <laughs> there was no other cable program like two, that. Two things. Throughout the course of the case, we had met with Bob Bennett at, at several times to try to work out a settlement. Uh, and this one time, it, we, we started our meeting at 6 o'clock. It had gone on until 11 o'clock. Took a break. I come out in the hallway. There's a receptionist sitting outside. The lights are on. People are scurrying about. And I say to the receptionist, I said, are you, are you here just because we're here? Oh, no. We're here 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. So it, it dawned on me then that, my God, my opponent never sleeps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're, right. they're awake right. all the time. When I'm sleeping, they're working. Right. And, and, but nevertheless, nevertheless, we, we, we gave them their money's worth. And, mm-hmm. and, and we did, uh, I, I have to say, a great job. There was, there was, um, they wanted to, to lay the case as best as they could. They didn't want to have Clinton be deposed, be questioned under oath. Mm-hmm. And so they filed a motion to dismiss the case, denied. They took the appeal to the Court of Appeals, denied. Now they went to the Supreme Court. So they have to and the ask, question And the question was, can he be subjected to the machinations of a lawsuit? Can he be sued and subjected to the process of a civil lawsuit while he's present? Correct. And so now they're going to ask the, the Supreme Court to hear the case. Now, I've never been to the Supreme Court before or since. And, but the Supreme Court follows certain strict deadlines as to when the petition is filed when that opposition to the petition, their request to have them hear it, and then as a calendar, and then when they're going to have, when they'll make their decision before the term ends in the end of June. Mm-hmm. If you don't make it by then, then the case gets delayed for at least six months. Okay? So we, we, we the only way that we could make the June deadline was to file our opposition to Clinton's request that the Supreme Court hear it within one day. So I decided, I said, okay, let's do this. Let's draft an opposition without knowing what they're really going to say. We, 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 know, we, don't, we don't know the exact words, but we do know what they've said all along. It's been two years. We know what they're, what they're about to say. So let's just draft an opposition it, and and we but blind, if you would. This is 1997. Right. So we. I'm a lawyer by now. I'm so writing we, everything. He's just telling me what to write. I wrote the whole. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> a little bit of it. Typed it. I know I did that. So anyway, we 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 put this opposition together. The the brief comes in from the president. We now have less than 24 hours to to file something. And then, oh, and by the way, you just can't file it. It's got to go to a printer. A little small. A printer. You got to have been books, typefaced. So we took this thing early in the morning to some printer. We were working with lawyers that had provided us at 
more times than not, with drafts mm-hmm. of the briefs that we would file. And Gil and I had a had a uh, a way of reviewing the briefs that we'd sit on opposite ends of the across each other and go over line by line and and then read it and make any changes that we wanted to to the to the brief. But anyway, so it's like two women fighting over a menu item in an Italian restaurant. These guys were unbelievable. <laughs> some of the debates they had about one word. It's unbelievable. But and we got it done. But anyway, so what happened was we get it to the printer. We get the books back. And so now they have to be hand you have to serve them, meaning give them to the uh, your opponent. So I said I want to take them to my opponent. I want to hand deliver them because I want to show them you know just you know what kind of guys we are. <laughs> cheap. <laughs> <laughs> Not cheap. To turn around a product in one day. Okay, in order to meet the Supreme Court. Yeah ultimate deadline and not delay the case for eight months, six to eight months. So I show up at the lawyer's office at Skadden Arps office. Oh, they knew who I was. Uh, who do you want to see? It says uh, attorney so-and-so. All right. I show them. What are you here for? I said, I got the brief. We're filing our opposition to you. They said, today? I said, yeah, today. I couldn't believe it. So that, that, that just, we, we could, when the chips were down, do what we needed to do. Yeah. And, and, and we were on the right side, and we gave him a run for the money, and, and uh, things— Gil gave a great argument for the Supreme Court. He did a great a job. nine to nothing, which is very rare, <laughs> Supreme Court unanimous verdict that said the president is not immune for his private acts um, and, quite frankly, can be served process under those, um, under those civil restraints that a litigation might ensue and, and require. Right. You might have some deference to scheduling, like, right. like any— any case, uh, right. the other side's not available. You work around it. Maybe the president's a little bit more unavailable. Do you remember but, if I was there at the Supreme Court during the oral argument? Uh, I don't remember what was behind me. See, see, I was sitting right next to you. I was to your left. I don't think I had you were at the council table. I got feathers and... See, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, this is the following disclaimer. Everything that's come out of Joe's mouth is truly <laughs> unfortunate. I was to his left you at, were council at council table. table. I was at council table with all the box. Remember, he made me take every file and he never touched them. And then I was struggling down the stairs. I wasn't sitting in the audience. I was right next to you. I got the two feathers. Be just like I got feathers Beals. too. The quills. Beals, settle down. No, this is... <laughs> So did y'all? So you got a victory in the Supreme Court, but yeah. did that mean the president had to? What, what ultimately made what the president the, had to respond to our lawsuit? Yep. Mm-hmm. Had it had to be treated like any other citizen would when they're sued. Mm-hmm. Yep. Respond, answer questions, give depositions, give documents. Yep. That was a, that was a big deal because they didn't want that to happen. And so ultimately, did that, all that happen? It yeah. happened. Well, it happened, yeah. and then uh, not with us. And then we'll just fast forward so we can finish this up because ultimately we did not see the case all the way through. No. However, um, and we have a difference in the story, and, and we won't go into it because mine's funnier. And but it shows right now. You don't even remember me sitting next to you at the Supreme Court table, and we got the tour the night before, and the guy said, "Don't crank the, uh, that I the lectern." There's and, a lec- and, there's a lectern yeah. where where people get up and and two hundred fifty okay. years old lectern. The, okay. the, the clerk of the court says to Gil, gives us a private tour at night. Do not, do, uh, here it is. What level do you want it? So Gil says, oh, this level. You know, he sets it up. He says, do not crank this level. Like don't a, don't move it because if you crank it this way, it might go down when you want to go make it go up. Plus it's it, 200 know, some odd years old. It's the crank. original lectern. For well, the what does Gil do? 
the first thing he does when he steps up there to cranks talk, it. he cranks, cranks it, cranks it, cranks it. That's his. And and look, those nine justices' <laughs> eyes got as big as silver dollars. They're like, "What in the heck is this guy going to do?" We it was an amazing argument, had, and I was right on the end. We had cut. A de- <laughs> Gil and I had cut a deal. Gil Watt was running for Attorney General of, of Virginia. Virginia. So, who's going to do the argument? Me or Gil? Well, I wanted to do what he wanted to do. Oh, another f- fight. So, 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 and I won't tell you who the client wanted to do it. She didn't want to weigh in, but <laughs> but I won't tell you. Gil, so, <laughs> you know, and Gil, Billy. Uh, <laughs> God, come out of the bathroom, Bill. <laughs> I, I got we want you to do the argument. What read, argument? Read this only. Do not Ladies stray from this document. Narcissism is a terrible thing. So anyway, so Paid Gil- for and authorized by Joe Camerata's own ego. <laughs> so Gil says, look, I'll make you a deal. The deal is this. I need this for my campaign. I want to make the arguments and I will, you could take any deposition you want of the, you want to take the president's deposition, any, any witness, you have first dibs. Any press that there is, whatever interview, whatever story, you have the right of first refusal. If, if, if you want it, you got it. If not, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. I said, all right, Gil, for you, I'll do that. So that morning of the Supreme Court argument, I did, uh, did Good Morning America. So they had, at the time, they were doing makeup. So, oh, yeah. so I said to yeah. them, listen, I think that we'll likely be doing, uh, uh, there'll be TV and stuff. Can you take down my, my makeup a little bit, but don't take it off? Okay. So they took my makeup off. And it, it took it down, but not off. Now, I went to the Supreme Court, made up. sitting at counsel table in all makeup. All dolled up. All dolled up. Looked beautiful. <laughs> anyway, I, I, could, I could swear that the, the, the justices, they looked as close as we were across mm-hmm. the yeah, table. Yeah, you could touch them. And, and they're looking down. They're saying, I, 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 you know. Who's the drag queen at the table between the two good-looking guys? (laughs) Anyway, hey, RuPaul is going to make an argument here today in the United States Supreme Court. RuPaul Camerata. And so, so, so anyway, so we win. We're in there. You know, these guys are on TV all the time. I mean, they've abandoned the office. I'm calm. Uh, at this point, I'm running the helm. These guys are on Geraldo, as as Gil used to call him, Geraldo, and. and we always go, it's Geraldo, and he never got it. But but that's another story. So they're on TV. They're they're famous. Everybody knows them. Uh, we fast forward in time. Gil's running for attorney general. We get this call. However, we got this call it was different. But a call, an anonymous call, with somebody who wouldn't give her their name, who sympathized with Paula Jones, who had had a similar thing happen to her. And we find out through using Michael Isikoff and and, and other means that this woman is Kathleen Willie, and. So Joe, long story show, get, gets me on the phone. We've got to file a, a, a subpoena for witness, a subpoena for witness. We've got to get served. And so I'm, I'm there working well. And you were on the side of the road going to federal court in Northern Virginia at the time. I'll never forget that. And we get together. You guys get it out there. You get it. You get some guy in Richmond to serve it. Remember that? <laughs> do remember. Okay. okay. <laughs> as soon as we do, that, that, that fax machine starts humming, <laughs> cutting out. And here's a motion to quash. And Judge Marriage, Robert Marriage, um, it's now in his bailiwick because he filed in his court. Demanded that you all guys come down there and Richmond, Bob to Richmond. Bennett. Yeah, and he was going to mediate the suit, which ended this. And this is where the story ends. But we got a lot of stuff, you know, that we can talk about later when you come back. But it ended with them offering you more money than we sued for. We had sued for six hundred thousand dollars. 
because you had to sue for money. You couldn't get the the apology through you know federal court. Damages is the only determination of of how you how a court uh, measures your injury. And they offered y'all more than six hundred thousand if you would not take Kathleen Willie's deposition. Is that true? Oh God! All right, thanks for joining the podcast. We had an offer of settlement. Oh Jesus, Joe! Jesus! I mean, I'm going to drive you to the villages myself. Hey, hey, when's the next bus around here? They did not want us to take her deposition. That is true for sure. Okay, and I want to clear one thing because it's going to be public. You said we got her name through through Mike Isikoff and other sources. Well. Mike Isikoff gave me no information that would lead me to Kathleen Willie. I just want to say that to be clear because because he believed it would be a violation of of his uh, journalistic ethics to do it. I had given him information which I could not follow up on because we were busy uh, doing other things. So I said to him, Mike, actually preparing for the Supreme Court argument, Mike, can you here's this information. This woman claims she had the same problem as Paula Jones. Can you look her up and then give me the information? Jefferson Scholar, husband was a fundraiser, husband a bundler, was, right. committed suicide. She worked at the White House and things right. like that. But anyway, long story short was that I, I called him up weeks later. I said, you find the, the woman? Oh, yeah. I said, who is she? Oh, I can't tell you. I said, what do you mean you can't tell me? I gave you the information. She says, well, my, my, I, I told her I won't give, commit, you know, give her her identity away. Well, I called him every name in the book in my best New York accent. Dickhead. That I didn't say. <laughs> dickhead. 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 <laughs> dickhead. As opposed to dickhead. <laughs> if you stretch it out, sir, you can really you think get that, your point across. That sounds better? Yeah. You would have gotten yeah. her name. I would have gotten her name. Yeah. He wouldn't give it up. Yeah. I knew he wasn't going to give it up, but I figured out. Put let me... two syllables in head. Head. Yeah. He head. Head. He head. Yeah. Hey, we'll work on that, okay, Jeff? Thank Finish you. up. All right. Anyway, he wouldn't People give got to start their day. But they want to finish this podcast. It's so compelling. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm never going to be invited back. <laughs> I'm going to have you back after this. I'm going to start doing my own podcast. Just turning left. <laughs> and I can get you on and get the, get the real story. With Bill's over here. Do you remember that? Like shaking his head like... You know. I will file an injunction. <laughs> I will enjoin you from any we such will, behavior. Your phone calls will definitely be returned. There you go. There you go. And our, mine too. So, yeah. so our representation basically ended. We got offered more money than we sued for. We could not get in touch with Paula because by that time, Susan Carpenter McMillan had basically kind of co-opted. You remember that, Joe? I remember her. Yeah, yeah she yeah. co-opted Paula Jones. Yeah. That I agree with. And, and now, you know, we used to say legitimize the illegitimate. That is, everybody thinks this is not a legitimate case. We're going to legitimize that and keep Paula Paula. That was another one of your mantras that we used to say. By this time now, the a lot of those factions on the right had decided for themselves they were they were using her for their own attacks on Clinton. And we just we could not even contact her to let her know that a lot that a settlement more than what she had sued for had been offered. Is that correct? You remember that? I, I, I do remember that we eventually contacted her. I don't know. No, no. I don't we remember sent her a letter. Trouble. We sent her a letter. Gil wrote a letter, which you can find on the internet. Gil Davis, letter to Paula Jones. And you'll find out that everything Joe has said on this podcast is totally false. <laughs> um, but very entertaining, yeah, yeah, which is but, the point. But which, which letter are you talking about? The 14-page letter letters, that we stayed up all night writing. There were typing. two letters that we wrote. What happened? You'll if you go a, to, if you go you will to, be a footnote in history. It was one of the quotes in if, there. If which you go to WashingtonPost.com, they have a section archived materials on the Paula Jones case. In that in that section, there are are two letters that Gil and I wrote, 
Uh, building? To, to, right? No, I typed them. Oh, so I, I too. Right. <laughs> typing. I'm trying to type. I'm a lawyer and I'm typing their handwriting because Edie could never figure out what you guys no, were writing. No, no, to yeah. uh, to Paula Jones. But anyway, they're there. We had. Um, and quite frankly, Paula Jones got, said in a later interview she didn't even know there was a settlement and that you guys were being blocked from talking to her. Mm. She so. she was co-opted by a, a, a friend, a Susan Carpenter McMillan, who uh, uh, who wanted this case not to go away. She didn't want the case to be settled. She didn't want uh, Paula Jones to accept a, a statement or any money. And uh, at the time, uh, we had not only a statement. And that's our opinion. Uh, that's our opinion of what was happening. Oh, of course. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that uh, just the the reason I get there is because um, uh, I I heard uh, her tell me uh, that uh, that uh, listen, uh, you know, she called the, the the president all sorts of names and things, and yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, it, it, and and so it seemed as if she was more interested, and and her husband too. More interested in having a, a cause as opposed to a case, right? And and we were, didn't want to be part of that. Right. They had their own reasons. They I think that they truly believed that uh, Paula Jones was not getting enough money, uh, was not getting to be heard, and I think that that drove their uh, their interest in, in in having a case continue. But but anyway, we couldn't get her to agree to resolve the case. We sent her two letters, and and, and the two letters were that uh, look, if you don't agree. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to withdraw, and so the and then history after that we withdrew from the case. The firm, you and Joe, by that uh, you and Gil, by that time you'd started your own law firm. Decided not to hire me, and so I was still with Gil. Um, I guess you went another direction, as you said, and so uh, so you know the rest is history because of course then you know we we see what happens with the blue dress and uh, Monica Lewinsky. All that happened after we were out of that case, so and that led to impeachment. So. What we started, uh, three guys, or two guys and a guy cleaning a bathroom, <laughs> actually two turned great in, attorneys and a janitor. <laughs> turned out to be uh, a historic moment in time over those years from 1994 to 1998. And I was, I was just honored to be a part of, of small, that part. Small part. <laughs> but in, in Joe's mind, a lot smaller part than what I remember. And, and, and God love uh, Gil Davis, my mentor, my hero. Um, right now, of course, he suffers from dementia but that great brain of his um, because I know um, he believes what I said is true uh, <laughs> not you and so on behalf of Gil Davis I can tell you that my version's the true version <laughs> and you're just going to have to eat that so uh, but see that what a, what a great story and what a great career you've gone even gone on and represented people uh, who sued Bill Cosby uh, for some of the nefarious things that Bill Cosby have done. You, you've had an incredible uh, legal career, not as good as mine, but I mean something <laughs> that you can always aspire to do. And, That's and right. I, and then, you know what, Joe? You know, Joe used to yell at me, and, and Joe gives me a look. We were over here uh, on his bill, and he gave me a look. I felt like I was going back to when I was 23 years old, and I'd forgotten to include an exhibit on a on a, on a pleading. Um, and it, it rushed all back there, but then I or remembered. when you failed to go simply read two sentences on a piece of notebook paper. <laughs> that, right. that look. Exactly. That, that look, too. <laughs> And and then I remember you have to call me Senator. No, I'm but, but Joe Cameron, thank you for coming on. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for your advocacy for those that are uh, that are injured and, and hurt. But thanks for telling your version and uh, allowing it to mesh with mine. And somewhere in the middle, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, you will find the truth. This has been an exciting podcast, has it not? It's been a lot of fun. Uh, nice hey, to meet you. Uh, first good, of all, good to meet you. I thank our you so much. And uh, on a serious note, really, I know. Uh, I've heard from Bill over and over his uh, how much he appreciates uh, the time and. 
things that he was taught by you guys at a at a young age, and ultimately is put him on the right path to help a lot of people, uh, including myself and my family, my business and small businesses across the Commonwealth of Virginia. So nice to meet you. Appreciate you being on the show. It's been awesome. Thank you so much. So leaning right and turning left with Sadler and a senator is powered by Pacematic Bill. Uh, another one in the books. I, you know, these keep getting better and better. We're finally going to have somebody on here to tell the truth in the next podcast. But just, <laughs> just listeners, trust me, I know what I'm saying. Because I'm leaning right. I'm State Senator Bill Stanley. And I'm Hermie Sadler, former NASCAR driver. I'm turning left. This has been another edition of Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and his senator. We'll see you next week. Take care, everybody.